0: You know, when people come to Jesus and they experience His grace, there's just a lot of different ideas of what that is going to potentially mean in their heart, in their life, in their future. And I have to tell you that a lot of people fall into a trap, and it kind of stays with them through the years until they understand the reality of what following Christ is all about. And this trap is believing that by becoming a follower of Christ, that He is going to now enhance my life and He is going to provide forgiveness for my sin and He is going to provide this power to help me succeed in those areas of my life where I've been failing. There's this trap where you view Christianity as this means to making... The world and its ways work better for us. You know, because I'm a Christian, I should have an easier time making friends, right? Because I'm a Christian, I ought to meet the, that person of my dreams. I, had, I ought to have the job I always want. My life that I've been trying to make work should now get easier because I'm a follower of Christ. And, I mean, God's looking out for me now. And we subtly, without sometimes even acknowledging it, but we subtly make God some kind of supplier to a better worldly life. And I have to tell you, we don't just do it personally. We we kind of provoke and, 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 and take that out into the church. We take that into our families, and we take that even into our nation. We have this expectation that God is going to provide what we believe He ought to and what we believe we're entitled to. And when we see things begin to go awry, we think that God ought to intervene and He ought to make our worldly situation better. Or He ought to make it the way we think it ought to be, right? And then sometimes we find ourselves even culturally facing things that are just like, God, what are you thinking here, right? I mean, we're going to go to the polls in a couple of weeks, right? What are you thinking? Intervene. Come on. What is this? And I want to tell you this morning, the problem is not with his thinking, but with ours. The first two verses of Romans 12. We looked at one, verse 1 last week. We're going to look at two today, but I want to read both of them. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, perfect. Uh, Let's just start with this whole idea of being a nonconformist. How many of you out there just by nature are nonconformists? Okay, yeah. I... uh already knew that about some of you, right? I mean, it just kind of comes natural, right? <laughs> what does it mean to not conform? And if we're going to follow Christ, if we're going to think correctly about things, we have to get it right off the bat that Christians are called to be nonconformists when it comes to this world. The word conform in the word in the Greek, it means Pretty much exactly what you think it might mean. It means to be shaped and molded and brought into agreement with something. And since we see in the next part of the verse that the opposite is the transformation of our mind, we can rightfully infer that conformity to the world is thinking the way the world thinks, having an untransformed mind. And it has huge ramifications for us because... um, I mean, if we're conformed to the world's thinking, it says here in this passage, that we're going to forfeit the will of God. For our, We're going to forfeit His plan for us. We're never going to be able to say that God's will is so good and it's so pleasing and it's so perfect. We're never going to understand it when we think in the way the world thinks. We're just going to miss it. And I guess one of the things that I just want to... Um, Proclaimed today as just fact is this thing that the world's way of thinking just absolutely stinks. Amen. I mean, it just stinks. It stinks of materialism, it stinks of self. It says it. You ought to do everything you can to please yourself, to make more money, to get more recognition, to pursue the fulfillment of your desires at all costs. And it even goes as far as to say you ought to really try hard to be a good person. Being nice to people can get you further down the road in your pursuit for success. It tells us that the goal of life is to have a successful career, provide wealth for your family, raise kids that turn out to be responsible members of society, go to a good church regularly, just don't get crazy about it, amass enough resources to have a nice retirement, and leave a little something to your kids when you die. That's life, right? You know, I read this passage, and it's hard to believe that we settle for such a life. It's hard to believe that that's the goal. That's all all I really want. When such a a life of knowing the adventure of God, His good, pleasing, perfect will lays out there for us. And so here is step one. Get rid of stinking thinking. Amen. Amen. That's right. You just need to flush it out. You just need to purge it away. You just need to say, I'm not going to think the way the world thinks. It stinks. And I mean, I don't have to tell you, but in our modern way, we have almost normalized stinking thinking in the church. I mean, everybody's doing it. Just the way things are today, it's I mean, everybody's pursuing their thing in life and trying to make their worldly existence great. And it clouds the way we think about most things. And I mean, how do Christians today think about money? No, I'm not going to talk very long about money, okay? But how do people think about money? How do Christians think about money? I mean, if God were in charge of your money, would it be any different than what you're doing with it? How do do Christians today think about raising kids? I mean, do we teach our kids that if if you work hard, you can become whatever you want to be? Is that what we're teaching our kids? Or do we teach them that the only meaningful life to live is found in the center of God's will? And forsaking all your rights to a self-determined path. Chip Ingram, pastor in California, puts it this way, says, Stop allowing yourselves to be molded by the influences and pressures of this present world we live in. Stop allowing Satan to dupe you, con you, use you, trick you, promise you life and love and power through a seductive world system that will only deliver disappointment, defeat, depression, and make you a slave to sin. I mean, do we realize what's at stake sometimes when we buy into the lies that we can have it all in this world and God is here to help us have it? You know, Romans 12, 1 and 2 especially are kind of a recapitulation of Romans 8. It goes back to the themes of Romans 8 and Two verses in Romans 8, verses 5 and 6 says, for those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Your mind, your thinking. But those who are according to the Spirit, you think in the things of the Spirit. And the mind set on the flesh or the world around us is death. But the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. I mean, who would opt for comfort and wealth and just this personal leave-me-alone kind of existence when life and peace are available. You see, if we're going to be in the center of God's perfect will, step one is leaving these patterns of the world. And so I have to ask myself, I ask you, where are you being conformed to think the, world, the way the world thinks? How do you think God looks at America today? Is it the same way you think of America today? You know, one thing I've come to realize is that it is not the mission of the church to save the United States of America. Is it all right that I said that? It is not the mission of the church to... Rescue, save the United States of America. But it's to build the kingdom of God, which in turn will what? Rescue the United States of America. I think of men like Dietrich Bonhoeffer. You ought to read his his biography by Eric McTaxis. I mean... Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German pastor who remained true to Jesus in Nazi Germany. He was imprisoned because he was helping Jews get out of the country. He was imprisoned because of his association with this group that made an attempt on Hitler's life. And When he was 39 years old, just three weeks before the Allied liberation came, He was led away to the gallows. And he told a fellow prisoner on his way, he says, this is the end. For me, the beginning of life. He never thought the way the world thinks. He never thought about self-preservation. He said, this is the end of my worldly life. But for me, this is the beginning of true life. You see... The verse says that we are to be transformed by the renewing, the refreshing, the transformation of our mind. Zane Hodges, in his commentary, he, he says this phrase means the renovation of our understanding. <laughs> the renovation of our understanding. I like it. And that's my point. Renovate your understanding of everything. Renovate your understanding of everything. How you parent. How you love, your your marital relationship, your involvement in the church. Renovate the way you understand things. To renovate something is to do what? It's to it's to strip out the old stuff. It's it's it's, it's like to get rid of the uh, um, avocado green appliances. <laughs> Sorry if any of you have those still. Okay. But you know, there's just some stuff that just needs to go, right? And it's in your mind. There's some carryover stuff that you just need to renovate and understand things from a different spiritual Christ perspective. Okay. Can God use this upcoming election to bring about a harvest of souls for the kingdom of God? Can he work in the midst of this? Just think about it. Sometimes when people face the loss of things or the greatest turmoil in life, they become open to spiritual answers, don't they? And sometimes when the darkness increases, the light of Christ, the true light of Christ shines brighter, becomes more recognizable. That is so different than what I'm seeing in the world around me. I mean, the Greek word here for transformed is metamorpho. I mean, how much more plain could it be that there's a metamorphosis? There is a total radical change, an opposite reaction. When this complete renovation of our understanding takes place, we we begin to see things through the eyes of God. And Let me ask you, does God have a plan? <laughs> is God ultimately still in control? I mean, is God worried about the next eight days in the United States of America? Is He just wringing His hands? What am I going to do with Hillary and Donald <laughs> Is he? Is he surprised that this has happened in America? I mean, just think about it. Haven't you have, haven't you had situations in your life that you thought were just the, the worst that turned out to to just do some spiritual change in your life for the better? I have. I have. I remember a church situation that I was in that was just terrible. It showed me things about myself that I didn't like. It showed me things about the church that I didn't like. I remember thinking to myself, nothing good can come from this. You ever said that? (laughs) Nothing good could come from this. And yet that's my thinking. God's thinking is so different. I mean he used this situation to to absolutely change the course of my life. He used the situation to completely change and renovate my understanding of things and how he works and and what's really important and what's not so important and where am I invested and where am I not invested in. And I look back at my time here at Grace Bible Church. It's 13 years as pastor of this church. And uh, I mean, there's been quite a bit of change in 13 years. I mean, there have been challenging times and there have been so many, many good times. There have been times where the morale was high and uh, there was strong growth. And there have been plenty of times where there have been plateaus and Not as high morale. (laughs) and I have to tell you, it's in those times where I pray for God to not do something. (laughs) But show me what you're doing. Show me how you're leading. Give me your perspective. Help me see with your eyes. What is it that you want to change in me? Lord, don't let me think in worldly ways. Don't let me evaluate and assess by worldly measurements. Let the mind of Christ that lives in me. Rule my mind. Do we have the mind of Christ? Some of you might think, well, it says it in the scripture somewhere, doesn't it? So I guess we do. First Corinthians 2, 16. We have the mind of Christ. We allow him to let us see. And so am I I letting the Holy Spirit open up scripture to me so that I may gain insight and a transformed way of looking at the situations that I face? Have you ever had a child go through difficult times? I have. I mean, you ever had a kid that just really struggled through something? And uh, I mean, how do parents pray when their kids are going through difficult times, right? I often pray to ask God to get rid of the difficult times. <laughs> I mean, we pray for God to remove the very things that He is going to use to bring about His purposes in their lives, right? You ever think of it that way? I've learned to pray over the years. I've learned to pray that God's power would be able to use what my kids are going through to capture their heart so that they can know that God's will for their life is good and it's pleasing and it's perfect. And i got to tell you, it's hard because every fiber in my body just wants to make the hurt go away, Right? Just, But I have to say, more than that, I want God's best at any cost. There's this whole idea in the passage of proving, testing, affirming, concluding that God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect. That's what happens when our thinking is transformed. I mean, there's so many examples in Scripture, right? I mean, you remember the story of Joseph in the Old Testament, right? Uh, Joseph's brothers just loved him, didn't they? <laughs> I just loved him. Loved him so much we're going to sell him into slavery. He's dad's favorite and we need to be rid of him. And they sell him into Egyptian slavery and he kind of worked his way up, and then all of a sudden he gets falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, and he gets thrown back in jail and spends two years in that jail. I mean, what would have been going through your mind? And he remained faithful to God and he didn't buy into self-pity. And he, when the opportunity came, he worked his way up the ladder again, and he became The chief distributor of food during this great famine that occurred. And who comes calling, asking for food? His lovable brothers. Right? And when they find out who it is that's in charge of giving the food, they panic. and i love this verse genesis 50:20 look at it joseph says as for you you meant evil against me but god meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive Joseph's life is proving, testing, affirming that God's will is always good. Is it easy? But it's good. It's pleasing. It's perfect. I think if Joseph had decided that I've just been dealt a raw deal, God's turned on me, it's not fair. And just wallowed in self-pity. Things could have turned out so much different. So the idea here is like this. God's will. Try it. You'll like it. Just try it. You'll affirm that it's good. You'll affirm that it's pleasing. You'll affirm that it's whole. It's perfect. It's complete. The revelation of His will is is not the result of our transformation as much as our transformation leads us to walk in His will and recognizing, concluding that it's always good, it has this excellence about it, it's always pleasing, it has a favorable effect on me, it has a favorable effect on God. And it's perfect, it's superior, it's complete. He's saying that living with transformed thinking leads us to show, to conclude, to test, to prove this goodness of God's will for me, for my family. It's just good. I mean, sometimes I hear people ask, how can I know God's will for my life? You ever ask that question? How can I know God's will for my life? Now, that's not just upon the young people, but a lot of times that's on people of any age. And they have this idea that God has this wonderful future for them and they want to discover what it is because I I just know it's going to be absolutely marvelous and great and bring a lot of happiness to my life. I mean, can you imagine if God did open up His plan for you and I and it included difficulty and hardship? First of all, do you think that that's possible? Do you think that God's plan for you can include difficulty and hardship? I mean, yeah, you're saying it right in your head. You know that, but I mean, do you really believe that? I, I, he, he says to us, you know, I have this plan for you, and it's going to be through the fire sometimes, but there's going to be this fruit for the kingdom that is unfathomable any other way. What if God leads people seeking the, God's plan for their life? To I want you to study the life of Joseph. I do want you to study the life of Dietrich Bonhoeffer and the call that I had upon them. Because I have a similar future for you. And it is going to provide a legacy of faith through your life that is going to impact generations to come. Will you sign up? You know, I just, I read this passage, I study this passage, and I just have to be honest and And I think sometimes we just need to be honest and realize that there is is more conformity to worldly thinking in our life than we want to let on. And maybe this passage begins to open up to us our need, our deep need for transformation of the renewal of our mind. I mean, do I want to be on this adventure with His will for my life? Do I want the adventure of His will for my kids, no matter what the cost? I mean, am I offering my bodies, as we looked at last week, as a living sacrifice? Transform my thinking, transform the way I look at the world, so that I can confirm over and over how good your path for me is. I mean, you can hold on to the thinking uh, that your life is all about you and that God's purpose is to help you be more prosperous and have this personal peace and satisfaction and comfort. I mean, you can keep going down that track, but why would you? Why would you diminish it so far when so much is available? I mean, why would you opt for anything short of God's best? So I ask you, uh, is there some place in your mind, is there some situation, relationship where your thinking is more worldly than it is godly? What, What conversation do you need to have with him today? What do you need to talk to him about? Let's pray together. Father, I don't know where each person is on their journey with you. and uh, I know that there most likely are people here today that are struggling through difficult seasons. Difficult situations and... Uh, And Father, there are times where we can get in the trap of thinking that our goal is to just have a good life and have a comfortable life. and We want to limit the bumps in the road and we want to sail. And As soon as the difficulties come, we just want to be rid of them and we want you to hurry and fix it and get rid of it and Father, as we spend these moments quietly before you, I just, I pray that you would so minister to our hearts and our lives. That your spirit would speak to us wherever we are in our journey with you and help us see how you see what we're going through. Help us turn to you and say, Lord, you are always good. Your path is always pleasing. Where I am right now is not that pleasing. But I know a day is coming when I'll be able to look back and see. All that you were doing. That you're not wasting any experience. That the experiences that we go through that we think can't have any good You have a way of weaving together to bring about your ultimate plan for us. And Father, we want to affirm to you today that you're good. That you're good. And that you're perfect in everything that you do. All of your ways are perfect. They leave nothing out. They're not deficient in any way. And sometimes we just need to let the scripture so speak to us that we understand the deep spiritual things of the situations that we're walking through. So we affirm this today. You're good. You're pleasing. You're perfect.